All right. Matthew 1, verse number 23, very familiar passage of scripture. Somebody say amen when they got it. Scripture says, Behold, a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. God with us. And I want to talk to you today for just a few moments on God with us. God with us. Can you say amen? Amen. The Lord bless you. You may be seated. I want to start this morning by talking to you for just a few moments on absence. Can you say absence? Absence has a profound effect on all of us. It's not always obvious, and perhaps it's because we tend to focus more on presence. We are very sensitive to how we feel in the presence of people and even when particular or certain objects are in our presence. And so a lot of our attention is spent focusing in on the presence of people and things. But surprisingly, the absence of a person or of a thing can be equally just as impacting, if not more. We know this on some deeper level, and uh, this is the reason we have sayings like, you don't know what you have until it's gone. And what we're talking about there is that absence has the power to change us, to affect us. That can be both positive and negative. And those of you who have had loved ones uh, go on from this world into the next, you know just how powerful their absence can be. We've even allowed language like you don't know what, it's ha- what you have until it's gone to enter into our most intimate relationships. Many times when we don't know what to do with somebody that we love that is not treating us or appreciating us the way they ought to, we'll say things like, maybe when I'm gone, you'll appreciate me more. And so what we're doing there is we're trying to articulate in some way or another that Absence can have a very profound effect on an individual. The Bible has a lot to say about the effects of absence. It was Adam's sense of absence that initiated God creating Eve. The scripture says, and God saw that it was not good for man to be alone. And after God had made the earth and after God had made all the creatures, after God had made man, He saw that there was one thing that was incomplete, and it was man. There was an absence in his life, and God created one more creature, amen, woman, who the Bible calls Eve. Later, in the same book, it would be Adam's absence that the serpent waited for in order to begin his conversation with Eve and initiate the fall of mankind. As you move forward in the Bible, there are several examples of the power of absence. In Exodus 32 and 1, the Bible says, And when the people saw that Moses delayed to come down out of the mount, the people gathered themselves together unto Aaron and said unto him, Up, make us gods, which shall go before us. 
As for this Moses, the man that brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we wot not what is become of him. Moses' absence, everyone say absence. Moses' absence had such a profound effect on the nation of Israel that they forsook the God that had just delivered them out of Egypt. They made an idol and they worshipped it. We're talking about the power of absence. Many products these days are marketed to us, showing us the negative effects that would result in our lives from not having a particular product. Insurance companies let you know how bad things could be in the absence of their insurance. The absence of specific beverages, amen, could be catastrophic when we're thirsty. The absence of a particular battery in your appliance at home, amen, might have devastating effects. Amen. The absence of a specific credit card when traveling might result in something you wish, amen, could have been so different. Hallelujah. We're talking about absence. All these absences are used as the main ingredient for convincing us to buy their products because they understand the power of absence. Sometimes absence is actually what's needed. Sometimes we need absence in our life. Sometimes absence, amen, is the only way to heal a splintering relationship. And for you married folks, sometimes the best thing is for everyone to go into another room and just calm down. I didn't get a big amen on that. Thank you, Brother Robert. Praise God. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Proverbs 25 and 17 says, With Draw thy foot from thy neighbor's house, lest he be weary of thee and so hate thee. Sometimes the way we keep a relationship is by not overstaying our welcome. Amen. I personally do not care how much somebody tells me, make myself at home. I personally do not care how much somebody invites me over their house. I, if I really love them, if I really like them, if I really enjoy their presence, I will induce my absence praise God amen because I want that relationship to last I want that relationship to stay healthy and strong and so it requires my absence I want to talk to you for just a few seconds on something that I consider to be very important sometimes absence is the only way to heal ourselves contrary to popular opinion there will come times in your life when the quality of the person you want to become will be contingent on the absence of certain friendships and relationships. Some of you are praying, you are hoping, you are wishing that you can become a better person, a different person, a healthier person, a more spiritual person, a stronger person, but your problem is your friendships. The problem is your relationships. The problem is the people that you hold near and dear to your heart. Solomon would have benefited greatly from the absence of many women with whom he had entered into relationships with. <coughs> the problem with Absalom was that he knew, with Solomon, was that he knew, I have wisdom above anybody on the earth. Both the Lord and Jesus himself later would say that there was never somebody wiser than Solomon. But Solomon was convinced that he was so smart 
And he was so wise and he was so knowledgeable that nobody beneath him could affect him. But how wrong he was. Amen. How much he would have benefited from the absence of multiple wives. Amen. Those women who may have not have been half as wise, a fraction as of wise as he would, as he was. Amen. Were able to affect him. Amen. Because it does not matter who we are. It does not matter our IQ. It does not matter our status or our riches. All of us can be affected by the wrong friendships and relationships. Hallelujah. And uh, because the children are staying in here today, I will give you the edited version of this. But uh, we read in the Bible about one of David's sons, Absalom. And uh, if you're not familiar with the story, uh, you're free to go read it after church. But he, cre- he, he commits a heinous act against uh, his own sister. And, and it's just about as bad as it can get. But what's, what's most interesting about this is that right before this evil thing happens, amen, the scripture specifically says Absalom had a friend, a friend, Absalom, his sister, his family, and the nation itself would have benefited from Absalom having one less friend, one less friend. 1 Corinthians 15 and 33 says it this way. Be not deceived. Evil communications corrupt good manners. And what that is not saying is if you hang out with the wrong people, you'll forget to chew with your mouth closed. That's not what that's saying. It's saying evil communications, evil friendships will make you an evil person. I didn't get a big amen because everyone's not convinced of that. Everyone, all of us have been there and perhaps some of us are there right now. We believe I can get around them and they won't affect me. I can get around them and hold my standard. I can get around them and continue to be just as Christian as I ever have been. And that's not the truth. That's not what the Bible says. Somewhere there will be a compromise. Somewhere there will be a bending of morals. Somewhere there will be a resignation of what we hold dear. Why? Because we are around the wrong people. We can benefit from their absence. In our opening verse this morning in Matthew 1 and 23, Matthew is quoting a verse out of Isaiah 7 and 14, where he says, And behold, a virgin shall conceive a child, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. So great, so powerful is the effect of absence that God gave himself a title and a name that would speak to the fear that humans have about absence. God said, I'll tell you who I'll be. I'll be God with you. I'll tell you who I'll be. I'll be God in your home. I'll be God on your job. I'll be God on your school campus. I'll be God when you're alone. I'll be God when you're not surrounded by all the throngs of people. Amen. I'll be God. Amen. In the quiet moments. I'll be God inside your soul. I'll be God inside your heart and inside your thoughts. 
Amen. I will be God with you. You will never be alone. Amen. I'll never leave you or forsake you. Amen. I will walk with you in the valley of the shadow of death. I will walk with you in times of confusion, fear, and trouble. I will be with you in the hospital. I'll be with you in the courthouse. Amen. I will be God with you. Amen. David said it this way. When my mother and my father forsake me, the Lord shall take me up because he is God with us. Amen. I'll be there when your children backslide. I'll be there. Amen. When your husband walks out, I'll be there when your wife leaves. Amen. I'll be there. Amen. When nobody else is there. Amen. I'll be there to get you through the hard times. And guess what? I'll be there with you to celebrate in the good times. Amen. Believe it or not, not everybody's excited about your accomplishments. Praise God. And there'll be some people that'll hate you just as much when you do something as when you don't do nothing. Praise God. Amen. But God said, I'll be there with you. Amen. In the good times and in the bad times, in the highs and in the lows. I am God with you. By doing this, God is letting us know that having his presence, everyone say presence. presence. By having his presence, amen, we have something greater than any absence. Amen. amen. We have something greater than any absence could ever take away from us. Right. And God's presence far outweighs not having. God's presence far outweighs not having. God's presence far outweighs not having the right insurance. God's presence far outweighs not having the right pair of shoes. God's presence far outweighs not having the custom leather belt and custom leather shoes with the custom leather Bible to match. Praise God. God's presence far outweighs, amen, hallelujah, not having a 2019 car, amen. God's presence far outweighs, amen. I'm going to say something that might hurt some people. I don't mean this to hurt you, but I want you to, I want to be very frank and honest with you because it's, it's just, this is necessary. Amen. God's presence far outweighs not having your loved one here with you anymore. Amen. And, and I'm telling you, I myself have lost a sibling. I had one of my sisters die a few years ago. Amen. Much younger than I was. Amen. But God's presence, amen, was right there with me. Amen. God's presence will be there when you lose somebody near and dear to you. Praise God. God's presence will be there with you when you lose your parents. God's presence will be there, God forbid, if any of us lose our children. God's presence will be there and it will far outweigh the absence. It will challenge the absence. It will stand in defiance of the absence. Amen. It will comfort us in the absence. Come on, somebody. God's presence far outweighs the absence of your dream job. Hallelujah. And for that reason, all of us, amen, look at your neighbor say, that's you. All of us should be willing to give up whatever we have to, to have God's presence in our life. Give up whatever we have to, to have God's presence in our life. Amen. I spoke with somebody, amen, recently on the phone and they told me my greatest fear is that God's presence would depart from me. My greatest fear is that the, the situation I'm dealing with, amen, the struggle I'm having, amen, would take God's presence, amen, would, would, would make God take his presence away from me. David said it this way, remove not your Holy Spirit from me. Amen. Uh, I, I can lose the kids. I can lose the castle. I can lose the horses. I can lose the fame. I can go from famous to infamous. I can lose, I can lose everything. But do not remove your Holy Spirit from me. Because it got me out of the sheepfold and into the palace. Amen. It got me out of the gutter. Amen. And, and, and on top. Amen. It's the presence 
It's the presence of God. Come on, somebody. It's God with us. Amen. That makes all the difference. Hallelujah. It's... Hallelujah. David would go on to write. He said, if I make my bed in hell or if I ascend to the heavens, you are there. I don't know how everybody else interprets that verse. Uh, I've heard a lot of people start giving hell a, a nice title. You know, hell is eternity separated from God. That is not, you are not separated from, from God in hell. You will be aware of God's presence. You will feel God's presence in hell. And not, not anger, not wrath, but all of its total and complete, raw, unfiltered goodness. And that, and that is perhaps worse than the flames and the torment, is to know that I could have spent life there rather than here. And not only am I burning and not only am I engulfed in flames and not only am I suffering, amen, with, with, with unquenchable fire. I am, I am now on top of that mentally in anguish because I know of a goodness that was available to me. I know of a goodness, amen, that I, I can feel it here. I can feel it now. It's all around me, amen. Listen, if, 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 if you're going to feel God in heaven and you're going to feel God in hell, amen, why not live a life that's conducive to going to heaven? Praise God. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. I don't know who I'm preaching to this morning, but I'm going to tell you what I feel. And I feel this so powerfully. And I'm almost done preaching. I feel this so powerfully. There's somebody that's holding on to the most petty things with all they got. There's somebody that's holding on with all they have to petty things. Let me tell you something. If, you, if you're holding on to it with everything you got, God can't give you anything else. Because that, that fist is closed, that hand is closed, and there's nothing to receive now. It's that open hand. It's that open hand that gets the blessing. It's that open hand that has things poured out upon it that it cannot contain. It's the open hand. It's the open hand that receives the goodness and, and, and the blessing and the, and the benevolence of God. But once you close up, once you lock up, once you embrace, this is why Jesus said, if a man wants to save his life, he must lose his life. There just, there, there, there comes a critical juncture in everything where you're going to have to say, you know what, I, I want out of this. And the only way to get out of this is to grab a hold of God and let go of this. I don't want to be I don't want to be stressed out anymore. I don't want to be hurting anymore. I don't want to cry anymore. I don't want to relapse anymore. I don't want to fall anymore. I don't want to struggle anymore. I don't want to fight with anybody anymore. I'm going to let go of this. I'm going to let go of this. I'm going to let go of my hang-ups. I'm going to let go of my pettiness. I'm going to let go of this job. I'm going to let go of this money. I'm going to let go of this identity. I'm going to let go of this mask, this facade. I'm going to let go of you know it's it's hard enough 
enough being you, let alone to try to be you and something else. Amen. It's hard enough. Amen. Just being you, let alone to try to be somebody for somebody else. Amen. Hallelujah. Nobody is worth modifying for except God. If you're going to modify your person, if you're going to, if you're going to modify your identity, if you're going to, if you're going to make changes to who you are, do it for God. Amen. Don't do it for this world. Don't do it. Amen. For a job. Don't do it for money. Don't do it. I know. I know how it is. Some of us might be saying, Brother Prado, my, my job's not petty. Sure, in light of working at Walmart. But we're not talking about, is your job petty in light of working at Walmart? We're talking about, is your job worth your, your, your sanity? Is your job worth your soul? Well, my friends aren't petty. In light of what? Right. That's right. Well, my relationship, this man, this woman, this, this whoever, what, what, what are you contrasting this with? What are you comparing it with? The Apostle Paul said it this way. I am convinced, I am persuaded that the sufferings of this world are not to be compared, contrasted, and, or even put on the same table right. as the glory which is to come. Right. And whatever I'm missing in this life, and whatever absence tries to intimidate me, and whatever, whatever tries to change me by not showing up, whatever is being withheld from me in hopes that I might compromise, none of that, none of that compares to what God has to offer me. God's got an offering on the table. And this is why he speaks and he says, come. Come. Let us reason together. Let us reason together. You know... Mistakenly, a lot of people think, you know what God wants from me? He just wants me to, to pray and close my eyes and just trust him. God says, no, I want us to reason. This is not a blind leap of faith here. I want us to sit down. And I want us to reason. I want you to tell me which one of your friends helped you wake up breathing this morning. Let's be rational about this. Who saved you in the hospital? Let's, let's, let's be rational. Which one of your friends protected you in that car crash? Yeah. Who? Amen. Let us reason together. Why are there other people that were doing what you're doing, but they're gone, they're buried, they're six feet deep, but you're not? Let's reason together. Let's reason together. Let's talk about this. Yes, your job gave you health insurance, but what did they do when the doctor shrugged his shoulders and said, I don't know what's wrong with you. But you went to a church service. You went to the altar three times. Praise God. Hallelujah. And God touched you and God got you through that situation. And God healed you. God says, let's reason about this. I promise you, you know, you know, you, you stick around here. You get mad at at this church and go somewhere else. You do whatever you want. 
You get hurt here, you'll be hurt over there too. And don't tell me you don't come to church because you're tired of the hypocrites. There's more hypocrites in the world than there are in here. If you're trying to avoid hypocrites, don't go, don't leave the church. We, we got them. Trust me. We got them. Sometimes it's you. Praise God. We got them. We got them. But they're, there's compounding. They're compounding out there. They're out there by the droves. They squat up. They come in cliques and gangs. I mean, they're everywhere. But let me say this. Because I've, I've found this out to be true, Sister Harris. Ten hypocrites in the church are outweighed by one sincere person in the church. One good friendship in the church. One good friendship in the church. One good marriage in Christ. One good relationship in the Lord. Far outweighs anything. I've been hurt by people in the church. I've been hurt so bad that if I told you some of the stories, you'd laugh and think I'm kidding. Some of the stuff that's been done to me, I've been taken advantage of. And I know what it is to hurt people. And I know what it is to hurt people in the church. But I'll say this. I also know what it is to be in the depths of despair. And I'm not, I'm not being dramatic now. I'm talking about I have no idea what I'm going to do. My body is riddled with pain. I'll never forget a few years ago. Uh, I, I remember a few years ago, my wife and I, uh, my, wife, my wife became very ill. And uh, she had to go have an operation. And the nurse said, yeah, yeah, real quick operation, no problem. She'll be in and out. And uh, as we were sitting there in the hospital, uh, she, she went in and out of the operation. But you know what? I just knew the doctor was going to butcher her. I just looked at the, at the surgeon's hands. I said, this person's not, not a good surgeon. You know, I, I just want some long, thin, piano-looking fingers. You know what I mean? Like, if your surgeon got pudgy hands, your surgeon should look like they play the cello, not, not like a butcher. So I knew this is not going to be good. I just took a look at the surgeon's hands. I said, this is not going to be good. But it was too late. We, we were in. And uh, I was watching my wife. And they said, oh, yeah, she'll wake up in about an hour. She didn't wake up in an hour. I said, okay, she'll be up in about an hour and a half. She didn't wake up in two hours. I finally told the nurse, I said, my wife is losing blood. She said, what do you know? I said, I'm telling you, my wife is losing blood. No, she's not. Yes, she is. No, she's not. I finally forced the nurse, because my wife was still unconscious. I finally forced the nurse to give her a blood test. Sure enough, my wife was down. I don't know how many pints of blood. She went from in and out surgery to ICU. And, uh, you know, I, there was a time where I'm not afraid to tell you this. I, this, don't, this don't bother me none. Uh, I've, I've been a full-time minister for over 20 years now. This is what I do. I traveled the world preaching, and me and my wife did support ourselves from the generous offerings of people. But I was scheduled to be in a church service that night, and um, the pastor that we were speaking for that evening, uh, I told him, I said, you know, my wife is in intensive care, and she's lost I don't know how many pints of blood, 
and I'm not going to be able to make it to church. But I had two friends. You hear me? Two friends. Two friends that I had made in church. One of them I had only known for a few weeks. And he happened to call me while I was outside the hospital, Brother Robert. And he said, hey, man, are you all right? I said, you know what? I'm not all right. I said, my wife is in a surgery. I don't know what I'm going to do. He said, he said, brother, he said, who do you bank with? I said, I bank with Wells Fargo. He said, I'm going there right now, and I'm going to deposit money into your account. Somebody I'd only known just a few weeks. As I was driving home, because I was still short $500. I was still short $500. And I don't even mind telling you who did it. I was short $500 on my rent. I was driving from eight. My mother-in-law, my father-in-law came to relieve me at the hospital. Uh, my wife was in Mountain View. I had to drive all the way back here to Alameda. I hadn't slept for over 28 hours. As I was driving down the freeway, down 880, my phone rang, and it was Brother Rick Mayo. And he said, Brother Prado, he said, are you okay? I said, absolutely not. He said, well, I'm just, I don't know why, but this morning I called my secretary, and I told her to send, to send Brother Prado $500 in the mail. And you know what? Those two friendships, and it ain't about the money. It's not about the money. It's about the friendships. It's about the people that wake up in the morning praying for you. It's about the people that say, you know what? Not only is that my friend, I'll put money on it. That not, not a, I'll, I'll, put, I'll, put, I'll put my livelihood on it. I'm, I'm not afraid to have skin in this game. I'm not afraid to have skin in this game. You go out there and make all the friends you want, but those friends don't put skin in the game. Those friends will ride with you as long as your car is of a certain year and of a certain status. Those friends will ride with you as long as you have a certain job. Those friends will ride with you just as long as you stay healthy. Those friends will ride or die with you just as long as your problem doesn't get out of control. Those friends will ride and die with you just as long as you give them what they want. And your, your job and your, the, the president of your company will swivel his chair, not care less, and fire you. That's exactly what they do. And don't let, don't, let, don't let the business meeting where they give you some free Popeye's chicken convince you otherwise. And that's why we ride or die with God. And that's why we ride or die with God. And that's why we ride or die with God. And that's why we ride or die with good church folk. Hallelujah. Come on, somebody. Oh, come on. Let's magnify Jesus. He told Let's lift our hands and pray right now. I feel the Holy Ghost. Oh, hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Oh, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Praise God, praise God. You just ride or die. You ride or die with God. You ride and die with your church folk. Scripture says in Proverbs, forsake not thy friend. The friends God gives you in here, the friendships you're making in here, don't forsake them. Let's stand. And I close with this. Your best friend, your BFF, is not a person. It's a God that sticketh closer than a brother. 
Hallelujah. It's Jesus. Nobody will be there for you like Jesus will be there for you. He is God with us. And I felt this morning like perhaps somebody's appreciation for God's presence is running a little low. And so God put a little message on my heart for you. And God put a little message on his heart, on my heart for me. And I'm going to lift up my appreciation. And what we're going to do today, whether God does anything for us or not, we're going to raise our level of appreciation for him. The last thing all of us should say before we hit that door right there or go out the back, whichever door you choose, the last thing you should say is, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And so, as Brother Jesse begins to sing, we're going to sing with him. And then we're going to begin to interrupt our own song to just shout a little hallelujah and a little thank you, Jesus, and a little I praise you, God, and I thank you for waking me up this morning, and I thank you for saving me, and I thank you for delivering me. I may not have enough money right now, but I thank you for all the times I didn't have money back then, and you provided. And I may not have everything I want right now. There might be a lot of absence, but I have your presence, and your presence is enough. Hallelujah. The scripture says we are complete in him who is the head of all power and principality. So right now, let's lift up our appreciation for Jesus. Come on. Hallelujah, Jesus. Give him some thanks. Give him just some praise this morning. You don't got to ask him for nothing other than his attention. If you're going to ask him for everything, for anything, ask him, God, lend me your ear that I could just tell you how much I love you. God, lend me your ear that I might just tell you how much I care about you. God, lend me your ear that I might just apologize to you for a second for how far I've gotten from you. But today, I'm here to come back. I'm here to lift my hands. And I'm here to tell you how much I appreciate you. How much I love you. How much I thank you. And I'll never compare you to anything or anybody else. Hallelujah,
Touching people right now. 